0: Welcome to Thug Crowd Radio. Please listen to this important disclaimer in its entirety. All participants of this Thug Crowd Radio episode are characters. None of the stories told during these episodes are based on facts, truth, or reality. All works of fiction displayed during this episode that resemble real-life situations are coincidental and are not meant to serve as guides or tutorials to commit any crimes in any country. Please consult an attorney for local laws and regulations. And as always, trust your inner criminal.
1: get your head
2: Okay. Hello. Hey. 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 Hello. Hello. What's
3: up? Uh, oh, how is everyone today? Well. You're doing pretty good.
4: How are you, Shell?
3: doing great. Never better.
2: Oh, <laughs> nice. Never better. Not ever Wait, really. that,
0: every other time was worse? <laughs> or...
2: We've
0: been like, <laughs>
3: Shell, but not being great. <laughs> every other single time was worse, yes. Never better. <laughs>
4: Oh yeah. Um, So yo everybody, welcome to Bug Crowd, uh, episode 11, season Um, 2. We have a pretty cool show tonight. Uh, We are talking to some um, bug bounty heavy hitters about bug bounty and the state of bug bounty today and in general just their stories about things that they've been working on, new techniques they might have learned um, yeah, so it should be pretty awesome. There's a lot of really awesome knowledge here. So, and, um, thanks to, uh, Curious RXID for subscribing. Thank you. Um, before we get into the news, uh, does anybody have anything they want to share for this, uh, they did this weekend? I did so, something very counter project. I
1: spent oh, yeah. a week oh. entirely offline. No, Ooh, shelter, no, no radio. Oh, was it, was it was, it was really nice.
5: Yeah. Tell us more about this. Tell us more about this IRL you speak of, sir. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Sounds crazy. nothing
1: in grass. (laughs) Hiking, spooky stuff. No computers.
5: Nice. Congrats.
1: Whoa, whoa, whoa. What was the last part about computers? No. Oh. Damn. (laughs) But highly recommend.
0: I think I might uh, do it like i've I've been considering doing it again. i I made an attempt at it was not successful, but I think that's the next it's, step in things.
1: I to be forced into it. I just went somewhere where there's no cell coverage. there's a um a, uh, I forget the type of telescope, but they block out all the fM radio around there, so there's literally nothing like you don't even have a chance well, I just like to really- do like base station research, but
5: Wait, yeah, you're talking about that really big one in South America?
1: No, this is U.S. based. There's a few
6: radar telescopes. They block out a few miles around it. That sounds uh, like a nice lit, like, feature for a hotel to have is an RF jammer. Just yeah. a Faraday
7: cage hotel.
0: That's they were, crazy. Uh, I never heard of this.
7: I recall those uh, uh, um, movie theaters and prisons were two places. I was talking about like blocking out like cell signals. And then everyone was like, yeah, that's a great idea. And then like, what if, what if emergency, like, oh yeah. So, yeah. <laughs>
4: yeah. Hey, where does uh, violence tend to happen in prisons? <laughs> <laughs>
7: yeah. Like what if there's like a prison riot and we need to call someone? No. The or like a fire. In the theater. Yeah. Like, you know, if the, uh, something happens to so their car, like, you know, fire starts in the comms room or something, then they're totally dark.
4: Gotta <laughs> run outside through the fire. Yeah. Oh, and thanks to Init uh, InfoSec for gifting a year uh, a one sub to Bane, Uncle Danfee. <laughs> Thank you very much. Um, Yeah, um, that's pretty sweet, though. I'm glad to hear that you were able to just disconnect for a bit because that's very difficult to do. Um, really little, Especially just like when you're used to just not even doing anything like crazy online but just like when you are used to like like ordering like a pizza or something online or like looking up like directions to places like those are those are things we take for granted a lot of the times you guys
1: know that tick you have like if you don't put your phone in your pocket for a day we just kind of start reaching for it
8: sometimes
7: i mean if i didn't have my phone in my pocket like i start freaking out like where is it yeah. Like you one. ever
0: have like a ghost vibrations? The ghost vibrations that's oh what I was going to say. Yeah. Or like oh, yeah. a water
6: glass and you're, you think it's a notification noise.
8: When I hear like a high enough pitch noise I just assume it's my ear, and my head starts twitching. Where? Where?
7: <laughs> we have neighbors so I hear percussion and then I presume the percussion is my bone vibrating and I'm like
5: Your beard is too fucking cyber.
7: It's kind of like uh, in uh, Jurassic Park you know when the water on the table starts shaking like the <laughs> <Yeah.
2: party. laughs> is that a cash register
0: you
5: never really sold anything on ebay did you what
0: where, where are all these uh, sound effects <laughs>
8: it's a pachinko machine oh <laughs> is it do you have the uh, Australian instrument I don't know what it's called the
7: didgeridoo the whole yeah, issue. yeah. <laughs> yeah <for those> <laughs> Can you didgeridoo? Uh, yeah, I, no, I just no. people beatbox, them it's kind of cool,
4: but it's weird. Oh yeah, um, awesome. If anybody has anything else to do, we Do anything else to uh, say that the share? You want to get into the news?
0: Let's do news.
4: Good thing. Right. Beautiful. Okay. So the first one we have on here, um, speaking of bug bounties, is uh, Valve, who, who now is backpedaling on their Steam Bone, or the two Steam Bones that were reported to them. Um, it's pretty cool, I guess, for the community, <laughs> although it's definitely an annoying thing. So the gist of the story is that Valve received some uh, some bug reports that were from people that were able to do stuff that I guess would be defined as out of scope in their normal, uh, like, program. But because of the seriousness of the issues of um, privilege escalation, they ended up turning it around after people got, like, mad at them <laughs> for it. But I think the thing that's really good for this sort of thing in particular is just that when people do speak out about something being a bug, that a company might actually do something about it. Because... There's been a lot of times when people just, I mean, everybody here knows the, the stories of it, of, you know, when you report something and the company just doesn't take it seriously. And it's, it's like when they have a scope defined, but you find something that's outside of scope, but is still terrible. That's if you, you can't say, oh, you, you know, it was out of scope, but if you still have somebody's like private keys to like their production environment, it doesn't matter what the scope is at that point. You still were able to get them, you know, from yeah. some thing. So it's it's just,
7: product, it will get into scope.
4: Yeah, exactly. And so I think that that's it's something that's important for people, their companies to remember too, is that if somebody does report something that's out of scope, if it is bad enough, you should triage it and not just ban them from your bug bounty program. <laughs> yeah, yeah I,
3: well, I, I, they, there, there was, um, I think when we had Casey on, he was talking about like how they have a, like what they call like their make it right fund where they'll pay out for some bugs that people say are out of scope or whatnot.
0: Yeah. Very cool stuff by them.
6: I think that like, I I think that both sides uh, overreacted to this situation to some extent. I think that steam definitely overreacted by banning the researcher, but I also think that the researcher made it sound a lot worse than it was initially. Um, You know, it's privilege escalation and that's bad, but it's not, you know, like reading the blog post, it read like it was remote code execution or something ridiculous like that.
2: Mm-hmm.
4: Yeah, I mean, it's no, so, uh, sorry, were you gonna say anything? I was gonna say I'm I'm
7: kind of a fan of like talking up uh, severity in bug reports because not like not in not in regards to like payouts or anything, but they can always downgrade a bug, but they're never gonna upgrade a bug. They can mm-hmm. always go like, that's shut up. That's a, that's uh, shitty. Put it down. Um, but, or they can choose to, you know, won't fix or whatever, but they're never going to like change a won't fix to a critical and this is never going to happen.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Also,
7: I think that, I think that if steam had responded by saying,
6: uh, we're going to mark this bug as informative and we're going to get to it there, that would have been in my mind, that would have been an okay response for it because there's like priorities for businesses like that.
3: Well, like LP, like, it's not as sexy as some of the other stuff but like when you consider the number of like stations that this
6: is on like
1: yeah to
3: to admin like it's uh
6: for sure um but also like there's business concerns that they probably have to deal with i don't know i can see both sides of this because i've been on both sides of this
4: yeah absolutely I, i i was gonna say i if this is something that like, you got to think about local escalation not as a bug bounty thing, because I think that bug bounty scopes in general, like they, like people want to do things that will get them the most amount of money, not necessarily the thing that will actually root somebody or be something that's actually like something that's weaponizable. Like people will talk up like an open redirect to try to get money out of something, but if they're missing out on something that's way more critical but it's not going to give them like money, you know, people like, ignore those kind of things. That's one of the only, like one of the criticisms that I have for bug bounty programs in general is that they encourage people to look at stuff that might not necessarily be the most important aspects of a company's security. But I think also, if you think about uh think about like hack the box or think about like anything that you have to do, like something to root something, right? What are you looking for besides misconfigurations and systems? Is vulnerable software that allows you to do local privilege escalation. Yeah. like a Valve or a Steam client could be on the next, you know, hack the box or VulnHub, you know, VM or something to to try to do privilege escalation on. You know, so if you think about it like that, if your if your software is that status where it can be the key to rooting a hack the box machine, that is something that you have to consider if you are, yeah. you know, kind of triage bug.
3: Yeah, and also I know I've had uh, friends report LPs to bug bounty programs before, and uh, sometimes like the person who's reading a report just doesn't understand like what it is. Like, uh, it was just like a really weird thing where they're like, oh yeah, this isn't in scope. It's like, no, this is actually like,
6: actually is like. The concerns for like an application and a web app are so different that people triaging may not even know what they're doing with that. Um, I think that, but like, again, if Steam had said we're going to accept this, but we're not going to pay you for it, I I think that would have been a significantly better response than what they decided to do.
2: With
7: Steam, the other thing, like, generally in gamer communities, um, you know, people in in the, you know, work gamer community where they're like slightly above average user because they are on the computer all the time, but they're like, not afraid to install things that need key gen. So I mean, do we really need a Steam Probes? Just like put out like you know. <laughs> <laughs> and, well, yeah. crack.exe.
8: Yeah. Of that.
3: That there there
8: yeah. was uh,
3: there was a really good story a while back actually about a U.S. congressman who like they went through like his expense report and some of it was just like spending money on Steam games. And it's like that—that was literally the first thing I thought when I like read about this. I was like, "Oh God!" Like as as the population gets younger and younger, and like people in the Senate, you know, younger and younger.
0: You're right. Yeah. Like
3: real real. real. things not on my work machine.
0: There's a
6: a lot of different paths to getting privilege escalation, especially on Windows. So that's another aspect to this. Also, I bet you that a lot of personal users run in local admin
2: anyways. <laughs>
4: yep. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, that's an interesting topic though. So definitely read that article. Um, it kind of spells it out a lot better than we did here. But um, yeah, definitely something for vendors to keep in mind is that you know, you definitely have to have a lot of eyes on something that you know like you want to make sure or consider the fact that somebody who triages a report might not fully understand it and it might need extra help. And um, qu- thankful that some uh, companies are able to admit that they're wrong and do something about it. Um, isn't, it isn't it still actually blacklisted on freaking uh,
5: – oh, I just forgot actually the name of the company that was actually –
0: Isn't it still blacklisted from
5: AgriWin, though? I don't,
0: I don't think I don't know. so. I, I, I'm, uh, I'm looking at it right now. It, it looks like there's a lot of nuance and a lot of – reason to to go over the article carefully reading it because uh yeah this is one of those weird articles where there's i think uh even even just the internal um sub headlines inside the Rs article like uh another researcher is shut down that implies that the researcher is like totally toast i don't know if that's actually the case though like, yeah. I'm trying to look for what you're saying. Um, no, you, can, you just get banned so. from,
7: like, single, singular programs.
0: Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, okay.
7: I, I guess we can probably talk about it more later, but just, like, a lot of the time as well, not every... Like, like, okay, picture this. Twitter profile, seven followers, follow 60 people, anime profile picture, edgelord name, like, biosecurity researcher. Like, this is a lot of bug bounty people so <laughs> no, there is a lot of people who will literally just paste
6: scan results in
3: well i mean that's yeah, okay, that's right. also not what we're talking about here but no it's I,
7: not no um, that's a totally different but that's why they that's kind of why they have like the scope is so nuanced and so, yeah you know, no that, that's not, like you know there's
3: definitely a lot of trash that they have to sift through for sure right. like i, I, I was reading one was day saying, but, though, like weird. the other day someone was saying that people were just like literally copying and pasting like recent like disclosures from yeah. that program back in and submitting it as a bug like yeah, this is like where I've literally
6: seen where they leave amount like, of stuff. For a different. they'll just scatter shot report and they'll leave the link the same for like another
0: website it's becoming a huge issue cuz they're doing it yeah. to uh miter um they're getting CVEs for things that are 10 years old yep. uh, by by so, changing the wording i
6: think that part of it is like i that's kind of what i was getting at earlier is both sides have reasons to make decisions that way um but i don't think that they i think that both parties here kind of blew it out of proportion and and jumped the gun a little bit
3: well we also don't know like what in the report right like what, what was said and how it was said back and forth. Like, there's a lot that goes on there that I don't think we have seen and that we probably shouldn't see. Uh, but yeah, that's that's a big thing.
6: Yeah, no, I mean, the reporter reporter's giving his side. Val is probably not going to give their side.
4: Hey, we, a okay. we, can, we can talk about this uh, a lot after. Um, Let's just talk about the next story, which is Space Crime. Um, NASA is investigating the first crime committed in space, which is pretty cool. Um
7: lead us to it.
4: Dude, this, is- <laughs> this is like less than petty larceny.
7: And- yeah. <laughs> this is like petty larceny is a better crime than
4: this. Yeah. but So I, th- I think what's interesting, though, we were talking about this before, is what kind of internet connection do you really have at your disposal <laughs> on the international space?
2: <laughs> like totally. how are you
4: like... Able to like, sit there and just chill online that, well twitter
8: must be twitter, pretty good
0: yeah that twitter I mean, photography
8: how did all the old people stay around those 56k modems waiting for like five minutes for a page to load old no people? but there was the astronaut
7: with uh, yeah. he had the DSLR <laughs> and he was taking photos like and posting them on twitter daily like they're pretty yeah cool. yeah,
0: okay. yeah I, right, think well. they, I think I they mean, have at least the equivalent of a that, T1 like, and
7: they live stream as well. They live stream the ISS. Yeah. Well, like I, yeah, I would definitely it's
0: awesome. is
4: expensive. It's not even about the speed. It's just that the data transfer is probably a lot. But I mean, I don't know. I, Which I don't just they own the infrastructure probably. and it's marginal.
0: Well, and say, hey, just just for clarity's sake, uh for people that maybe possibly even aren't aware of it, uh it's the first uh space cybercrime. Like uh, yeah. the, yeah, the cyberspace space, crime. I, I
8: think a fun question to pose here would be who has legal jurisdiction. <laughs> right. That's um, what I was thinking. The space force. Um,
0: that... The intergalactic judicial authority. The Avengers. Calling
3: the Avengers.
6: I think that it's, uh, since it's um, somebody in the U.S. is pressing charges, maybe, I, that's yeah. a really difficult question
7: so it actually goes to where the crime occurred on the module like who owns which module uh so it's like the u.s yeah and then the other thing is the other part of it is uh the country of origin of the person on this that committed the crime so in this case yeah. it's straight up u.s Well, um,
6: in the the you know the crime was committed against systems and people in the United States supposedly right
0: yeah well it was but it was against so, her I mean, uh, right. her ex or something like that yeah and, and right. she was accessing uh, a bank account of an right. ex partner I believe
3: so, if so like a player to happen, for this case like well like if, was, if that were to happen on her, to on her
2: account, account? you know but they, here's the
0: like,
8: thing. what's another joint account? account? So like wouldn't they both have access to it?
0: Well yeah, you would think. So there's a lot of a lot of interesting questions still out there. Was, but we definitely need a space lawyer. Uh that the the one show. Twitter
7: lawyer guy? Uh, okay, acquiring... but... <laughs> yeah. But like this whole thing, like so basically TLDR like the crime was logged into bank account. That's the crime. Yeah. Um yeah. so it's not really like in the real world, anyway, like I don't know anyone who's got like you know an ex who's logged into a bank account they should have access to, and like that's some judge duty shit.
0: And usually, uh, they- <laughs> we, we we don't know though if she transferred Correct. money or anything, though <laughs> she could have transferred like uh, 500,000 or something. No, I mean, no, effectively, it
9: lets you
6: track somebody, right? You look at the yeah, re- history.
0: Yeah, but reading. Oh, I, I, interesting. I'm pretty
7: sure I read somewhere else that there was, like, I'm, I was discussing this earlier in the week, and, Like, yeah, there was no, as far as I read, there was, like, they, they logged in and that was it. Yeah,
0: okay. but,
6: like, that's <laughs> still, like, uh, I don't
8: <laughs>
0: know. What did it show up as in the logs, though, that made them suspicious? Space? Like, <laughs> you you
8: were, you well, really good in. asset.
7: You're so currently logged Like the IP from space, yeah. Space <laughs> coordinates. I mean, once that—that'll be a, a cool, uh, you know, like IP grabber. Like get someone. On yeah, the right. There's a
6: there's a picture somewhere, somewhere where it's like, uh, you know, local singles near you in you know international space station.
0: Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's like what? <laughs> yeah, well, one. One of the ten people that you're on the space station
7: <laughs> Is there even that many people up there? Isn't
3: it
0: like I four have, uh, Yeah, I have no Next idea. Next
3: level tinder, yeah. <laughs> um, single well, person okay, like orbit? Nobody
6: likes think. you from fifty meters away. So <laughs> I, I gotta say though, it's really impressive they were able to communicate at all with the ISS given how quickly it's moving. Like that's so um, like that's some ridiculous engineering going on there.
0: Yeah, no I just bad. wanna focus
7: to, to, to wrap up this crazy space topic, I just want to recap an argument I had with someone online, a flat earther. This flat earther told me – I've also banned them from the channel directly after. The flat earther told me that the ISS live feed only works because the astronauts are actually in Hollywood and we're all idiots. So.
5: Well, dang it. I was hoping I was smart, but apparently I'm an idiot now. Fine. I mean that makes the engineering a lot easier.
7: It does. <laughs> they just got fiber. Hollywood. Yeah, it's like oh, dude, just do
5: the
4: Cisco router. Just go that way, man. <laughs> it's connected so to Universal Studios. The, one uh, thing. Worried about? Um, the next story that we have on here is about the... I mean, this... I don't know why this is a news story, but it's been making the rounds, so I wanted to talk about it. Um, this is sex robots with coding errors prone to violence and...
1: <laughs> <laughs> so, it's a feature, not a bug.
4: Ever Consider the fact that a sex robot could potentially harm you. Even a toy in general could potentially harm you, but a full-blown robot with crazy capabilities and like AI and you know computer vision. I mean, that's like
6: that's the premise of like a million science fiction movies. And
4: it, yeah. dude, I remember we were talking
8: about like Internet of Sex Toys a while ago. I said, "What happens if someone like hacks it and like ransomware's your butt plug or something?" But imagine yeah, if your fucking robot stripper literally pins you down. It's like, all right, open up the wallet.
4: Yeah. <laughs> the only, the only nightmare scenarios that can happen with it. I thought the song was
8: three minutes. No, the song's actually cut in half. It was two songs. There's, so, a, uh, there's a new show on Netflix called Better Than Us. It's
6: literally about this exact thing.
0: I yeah, yeah I was out. that's interesting. I'm looking at of the uh, the Daily Star link that's in the uh, in the show notes, and there's a video that plays at the top. And this thing is like the, the robots talking. And I- I'm telling you, if there was a robot that was available that had the jaw capabilities that this one appears to have, it's getting nowhere near. Uh, <laughs> me on some yeah. parts of my body it's just not happening yeah so
4: I think yeah. the, 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 the important thing is what they're they're talking about isn't even just the security implications it's just bad coding practices that could potentially lead to logical bugs in the AI of the um, sex robots that could actually harm you because if it for some whatever stupid reason, some like debug <laughs> trigger was left in there, and suddenly it's just like biting like you. <laughs> like
0: they left in. They left in a eat corn, uh, <laughs> <laughs> eat corn cob function.
4: Like <laughs> like, I mean, who knows? Like, does anybody? Does has anybody ever seen any open source code for a sex robot? No, I, I, think I have not. not. The new
6: village is going to be at DEFCON this year.
4: I mean besides in the amount of people who actually
5: spend time and effort to actually do open source sex drives no
4: yeah um, but so think about that, the amount of code yeah. think about the most disgusting black box code you've ever seen that you've had unfor- the unfortunate um displeasure of actually having to review um and think about that in a sex robot that's all i have to say it's just really scary uh, <laughs> just, yeah no
6: <laughs> I feel like no a robot would be an
7: interesting thing to look at. I, I remember I watched a documentary about people who make sex robots on like Netflix or like one of the weird channels here, and there's like this this wrote like this metal frame with like no, it didn't look human at all. It was like a pelvis metal frame, and the guy was like so proud of it. He's like, oh, yeah, look at I that motion. This guy. It's like that was—that's a real human motion, and it's like, whoa! <laughs> that looks like it's gonna like, like used to cut down a tree.
2: <laughs> <laughs>
7: Elmo without the skin
8: on it.
2: Uh, yeah, oh, like, I love
8: uh, it. Like, it's so
7: you so a good idea of human movement. Yep. So it's, what we're saying
3: is that if you want to donate money to Thug Crowd so that we can uh, take apart a sex robot, <laughs> uh, just you know donate away. We have a, hey. a Bitcoin address,
4: and, you can and just the send Patreon. Yeah. Also, yeah. don't tweet out the Bitcoin address because apparently it gets your account suspended, which happened to me.
0: <laughs> well, in fairness, you also did say a few other keywords that might have all gotten.
3: Hi, <laughs> yeah, I'm Elon Musk. Send me money. I'll send you back more money
4: it's double up we'll your password in this thread no it's what it said It's said, it said, it said, it said take a selfie with your password and this address and then you will uh, you'll get you will be entered into a contest to win a free secure password Listen, um,
0: not, not only did you get suspended for that but I got suspended for quote tweeting saying haha look at <laughs> he got suspended for it and then I'm immediately suspended myself I'm trying to to figure out which 2FA
4: number it's even going to.
10: (laughs) I mean, like, oh
4: yeah, you're suspended from Twitter, by the way. I was like, no, like, woke up from sleeping.
6: (laughs) (laughs) I I would say that we should hook up that um, Markov bot to a McAfee alt account, but I'm sure that it would almost immediately get banned.
3: There's a no, lot there's actually. There's 40 right now. I found them all. They're yeah. All active, Hermit so. found
4: pretty much every oh Macrophy account. Um,
2: I'll send you the list.
4: <laughs> like, one, one more, right?
2: <laughs> well, we, Markov,
7: <laughs> we could get the Markov bot to uh, feed into the text to speech TensorFlow. <laughs> Well, and
2: oh. we could
6: Oh, oh my God. We could train a bot on the other Markov bot.
3: Be prying over
2: information.
4: <laughs> oh man. All go. right. Before, before we get into too much crazy with this, let's uh talk about another bad idea news story, which is employees connected nuclear power plant to the internet so they could mine cryptocurrency. This is What uh, a bad idea.
3: Great idea. Man, there's yeah. so many good stories this week. I'm person <laughs> is is
4: amazing
8: of the month like right yeah. now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
4: Yeah. And so apparently in Ukraine, um, there were some people who worked at a nuclear power plant who brought, brought a couple of small mining rigs over to this power plant and just plugged them in and started letting it, letting it go. Um, that is, I a mean, new. it's a not new. new for people to bring and mine cryptocurrency at work. People do it on supercomputers, other power plants, and just stuff. But um, yeah, the fact that it's a nuclear power plant. It was just connected in some way with a bit of, like, imagine if you, so if anybody here works and has to do any security management stuff and you have to manage devices that are on your network and you banned, you know, personal cell phones, you banned USB devices. And then imagine discovering in your nuclear power plant there's just some, Really shitty, oh shitty mining rigs that are just mining and connected to your internal land, like deep in your power plant. That's just
2: like just just everything you work for. It really I mean, it's not yeah. the worst disaster
6: that's happened to Ukraine in a power plant. Oh, I know that.
4: Ooh. But this is also <laughs> something that, was, that so that is, that opens up a gigantic security hole on um yeah. on the power plant, which is yeah.
3: Someone was oh. definitely shitting themselves when they saw that. Also, yeah, I like we, the fact that it was for like, the article says like there were, like nine cards in total that they were like yeah. using. Like, well, like, I like that, like such a small yeah. amount of power. Like, that you're like,
8: you uh, imagine yeah. them be like, hmm, who's going to notice us just taking a little bit of electricity? <laughs> no, much yeah. of it. it clearly costs nothing to produce. Uh,
0: this what?
6: is not the first time this has happened.
0: Oh my it, God!
6: It, it, it what happened in Russia in 2018? Apparently.
0: Oh. Um, yeah. They and another new
6: a nuclear center for using the supercomputer to mine. Uh, yeah,
7: that's what we were just saying. Yeah. So, it's... Um, yeah.
2: Oh.
7: You get for a, a little bit of context. when it's nuclear powered. For a little bit of context, like CG miner, for example, like the those ASIC miners, like the Bitmain ones, the base. Well, well, at least last time I looked, uh, are a BeagleBoard that's running. Like, uh, DDW the uh, OpenWRT with like a Lucy web interface and like connected to the ASIC array, and it's running CG Miner in screen. So like, and the RPC ports are open. You like, you just the if they do put the ASIC miners in some place like that, they are definitely vulnerable, and that RPC is like juicy. Um, free shells for everyone. <laughs>
2: free shells,
0: nuclear this- shells. Was this, yeah right. Was this the <laughs> was this the uh, set of miners like a year or two ago that that everybody was talking about on Twitter?
7: Uh, I don't know. I wrote a, book, there's a news article somewhere about it, but right. the, they have they upgraded since then. These are I haven't looked at the latest models. This is like also yeah, these but, were these were the
3: guys were using actual computers with actual cards in them.
7: Yeah. But at the end of the day, they're probably still running uh, either like, like CG Miner or, well, or, yeah, or something as well.
3: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they're running some shitty some code that they obviously have never looked at. So, so that's really yeah. Uh, really. as root by the way.
0: So, at, uh, looking at the article, there's two things that stand out to me and that's that the uh, Ukrainian Secret Service is the one who like basically busted down the doors to seize these things. So, they must have they must have gotten either I wonder if they, like how they got tipped off to find these things like
6: it's possible they're doing scanning within their of like critical infrastructure like I know that the US does that with um, voting machines because they're just so distributed
0: wait were, uh, what was the first part of that
6: I, it's possible that the their government is doing scanning of like
0: critical infrastructure oh oh my god and yeah maybe maybe the ports were just open
7: <laughs> I, yeah. yeah i would say like the way that generally when you have a remote miner somewhere you have rpc accessible i mean not necessarily open on the internet they like, don't like if you want one tip about remote mining do not put the rpc port open to the internet but um wow. oh, that's how most people check like the hash rate if it's still running if it's locked whatever
6: Right. Yeah, I mean, in terms of stuff that you should be monitoring on the network, nuclear power plants is up there. But yeah. also, like, I can imagine that, uh, I bet you that at least a, uh, some nuclear power plants have systems for reporting to governments, like, yeah. for in awesome place for how to do that.
0: So one other thing that's in the story that is probably the most important part, and it, it it takes away, I guess, a little bit of the fun, <laughs> but... It's the reality is that the equipment was found on the power plants, administrative offices, and not the industrial control network. How
7: how far away are those, really?
0: Well, they're usually just separated by a door, usually just by a door or two. And uh, yeah, there's... At least in, I think, uh, the United States, Canada, Mexico, um, there's some standards that are pretty rigorous, and you, like, really better be following them, and that includes no no uh, connectivity whatsoever between yeah, them.
7: Yeah, you, you would assume that layer one is, like, separated, but then, like, there's all crazy yeah. stuff, like, like air gapping through, like, you know, the system, like, system bus radio type shit, you know?
0: I mean, yeah, I, I, I could definitely see this happening at at, at any plant. It yeah, easily I, could happen in the, yeah. at the administration. I, I, don't, think
7: a skid, I don't think a skit is riding like a nuclear, uh, you know, air, air gap <laughs> jumping like fucking radio thing, but uh, maybe someone had enough time effort and want.
0: It certainly uh, would be a... Yeah, I mean now now the cat's out of the bag, right? So <laughs> yeah. now the APT are gonna focus on uh, backdooring uh, CG minor or whatever. <laughs> Just so that they can get that that one other
4: their
8: one day TTP.
4: Um yeah, should check the chat. Um <clears> Hermit <throat> posted some uh some interesting things from Grey Noise. With uh, nuclear in the name. Um, oh yeah. So uh, the next story that we have here, uh, speaking of just bad, bad shit, just fails. Um, this uh, ISIS fighter was killed by a drone bomb that he was operating after it ran low on battery and flew back. So this is just another thing that I saw. <laughs> it was just like the most funny thing that I've seen in a while. Oh, um, love this. Story. I yeah. This is. I don't even know. So this basically, this person was flying a drone and it ran out of battery and it just phoned home and <laughs> it flew right back to him and blew him up and killed him.
0: Well, it was it, doing it to like, protect the integrity of the drone so that it didn't crash.
4: Yeah, <laughs> very
2: important.
3: You wouldn't want your bomb I mean, to crash, would you?
0: <laughs> yeah. The story's it, wonderful. It, uh, yeah. So, so I, I mean,. Coyote so, moment. The
4: lesson is, if you're well, actually, I shouldn't do any lesson. Never mind. There's no <laughs> <laughs>
5: no lessons to be learned here. Yeah, if you want to kill people and commit acts of terror, just go fucking
0: die. Just right. Yeah. I mean, do yeah. It's
2: like, did, I mean, he lesson did, lesson.
0: did. To no, be honest, no, he I'm sure <laughs> die, <so. laughs> really elaborately. No <laughs> so good
7: way
4: it. to say anything. I'm gonna shut up. <laughs> I just like, like, if we look
7: at the past and we look at when uh, kids were making like fireworks and stuff. Like how many of those kids are missing fingers? Now ramp it up. That could be you. Don't do it. Well,
0: there, yeah, And don't join ISIS either. Just stay away from ISIS. I hear they're, I hear they're not that good of people. Yeah. They're pretty bad.
7: Oh my god. <laughs> well, I guess they, like,
2: yeah,
5: like Imagine guys. this guy, like with his, so, his fucking controller that's constantly updating his fucking home location, running away from the damn thing. It's like, oh. oh, okay, I'm just gonna go there. now. <laughs> the
7: uh the drone in the, that's pitched, um those they're, they're like not not encrypted at all right that's just like open traffic uh
0: i don't know necessarily if it's open but it's it's easily decryptable by dji Yeah. Um, nah. so in a way yeah it's it's not encrypted i don't I don't well, know how much, struggling. yeah. I don't know how much you can do with your own SDR, uh, but uh, we got to get a dot slash on here at some point and have I him school us. That might be SME for this. <laughs> oh,
7: well, yeah. So, I guess, I guess, like, if we just quickly compare uh, the encryption on this versus like a Reaper or a Predator or like you know one of the the big big boys. Um, they're a lot hot
0: well I don't know the Re- uh, the Reaper is it uh, that one was yeah, sending that but was sending unencrypted streams back to Arizona from yeah, what I recall.
1: The, thing with the, the thing with the big like spooky multi-million dollar drones is like you can buy a DJI drone and kind of play with it and you know do some like security testing but like it's kind of hard to buy a Predator drone to just like mess with in your spare time so I don't know if they're actually a lot more
7: secure. Well, there was – well, well yeah, one yeah, of the things is they're using it. the military GPS system, which is uh, not the same as the regular G- – like there's, there's certain – like other things that are put in place around it, I guess. Um, and then there, right. there was one country, I think
5: – was Around? It,
7: they, yeah, and they landed it on the runway.
5: Yeah, they, mm. I don't know if they landed it. I know they actually pretty much found a way to actually – I already kind of know how they do it because those things yeah, actually yeah. have fallbacks. But essentially what they did was they jammed the uh, military bands uh-huh. and uh, because fucking GPS is nested within it, they pretty much like let the civilian one, then they fucking created their own stream from that and made it go like, oh, okay, we're just going to go ahead and fucking crash right here now.
7: <laughs> yeah, so that's, I think that's kind of would have been, like that was a while ago. So that's like a bit of a wake up call that maybe they probably started hardening them at some point after that if I was to guess. Oh,
0: I would hope so. Oh, my God, you yeah. know?
3: I also yeah, yeah. heard a conversation uh, at DEF CON. We were talking about, yeah, like, downing drones. But it says that, like, the pictures that they showed of the, the drone, the uh, they showed, like, the underside of it, and it didn't look like it was, like, very clean. So it's either that they, like, remade, the, like, the shell after they, you know, like, downed this thing, or... Uh, you know something something was definitely a little bit suspect it was Wait,
0: the, you're talking about the isis uh one the story we're talking about
3: no not not this one i was just like when we like they're talking about like downing drones like oh, downing government drones
5: right. iran actually stole one of our uss drones yeah well, but i said that I, the pictures
3: of it were were very whole for a quote-unquote like downed drone
0: well but so i i would actually say the same thing about this drone from the isis uh fighter like if you look at it it's uh, DJI Phantom, like I can tell pretty much what model it is. Like it looks like it's not all that messed up.
2: Yeah, yeah and yet drone,
0: was that was that the drone that they're talking about,
5: or was that the stock footage? Uh, no.
0: uh, it doesn't. Oh, it says file photo, but I I don't know if it's a file photo of that it's, it's exact drone. You're right though; it probably isn't. Uh-huh.
4: Um, yeah, so not- I am going to say it so quick for, uh, in an info in the chat that gifted out like five subs so far. Thanks. Um, first off and second, so awesome. uh, I said that we should do a Yankee swap, um, to plasma as and he said shopping list, sex robot, and predator drone. Um, so a Yankee swap for those who do not know is a thing around Christmas where everybody gets like brings a gift and they go around in a circle and they open the gift and then, um, you can swap with the, whoever had a gift before you. Um, so, yeah, we had sex robots and drones um, and, and uh, Bitcoin miners that plug into uh, nuclear power plants.
7: <laughs> Great. Someone Great. give me space crimes, please.
4: <laughs> yes.
7: So uh, I guess that's a good next thing to put on our shopping list to be the next
4: story. <laughs> oh, yes. Yeah. So speaking of shopping list and story... <laughs> Uh, this freelance site, Fiverr, offers illegal private spying services. I mean, this is, like, going to happen for any sort of marketplace. Oh, yeah. uh, you know, um, people are just going to start offering shit like this. But basically, there's been an investigation into, by, by Vice, um, into um, people selling, basically, like, malware, like, spouseware, as well as, like, private investigator services and other just really sketchy things um just on fiverr um there's pretty much everything that's available there very cheap you can buy malware for five dollars to record uh well keylogger um and for four hundred dollars you can yeah buy software that will allegedly steal targets password and email contents i mean those are you're just selling a rat at that point for like five bucks you know and, and having a price uh level you know but it's um yeah there's people who are just selling these things on fiverr i mean it's clearly a place where people can sell stuff and, and make it look you know nice in the app but i mean usually it's just some really sketchy person who just will likely scam you um if if they uh even provide a service
7: i mean hmm. this is kind of like hmm. you would get this idea if uh you constantly wanted, you know, you had a lot of uh, say DMs that said, uh, can you help me get a snap bro? Um you know, I've been coding, about <laughs> but uh I can't I don't have a method to get this snap bro. If somebody sent you a lot of messages like that, then you know, maybe you'd be like, Hey, i was, maybe I was on Fiverr. I'll get snap yeah. bro.
4: <laughs> <laughs> I'm pretty sure it's <laughs> in case anyone yeah. didn't see um. Oh,
2: I signed up oh,
0: yeah. for, uh, I oh, sign yeah. up for I need to sign up for Fiber. I I think um <laughs> it sounds really funny to look at. Like it, it, oh, it there's a lot is. of really funny ideas too. Like some I, interesting things you could do with
7: it. I bought a big man Tyrone video on Fiber. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, Big Man Tyrone. Yeah, he's, he's the, the fucking uh the Kekistan I don't know yeah. he's, just a, he's just a meme man makes videos of money he'll say basically like whatever you want him to say for uh, that's as long as it's not like too you know as long as it's not too unacceptable he'll basically say whatever you want and then you just pay him for however many words it is and make yeah. a video no, so how
8: much would be- it cost to have him read the thug crowd manifesto
0: ah, um, the uh,
8: 50 bucks
0: what about- what about the
4: opener? Well,
0: that's a really good idea. Actually, we should talk about that after. Yeah.
4: Um, <laughs> actually, I think Dollar VPN Club had some ideas for fi- Fiverr people, but they got banned too quickly. No. Um, but yeah, so the the case in point for this whole thing though is that don't buy freelance cyber crime services. Just it's never a good idea. It's never a good idea in the first place, but also it's never a good idea to do that to spy on your spouse. Like, just yeah, talk, yeah. talk to your spouse. Talk to the person that you that you care about and love. It yeah. Itself. I guess at I that think, point, you don't
5: care about or love them anymore, but yeah.
7: Uh, yeah. You really <laughs> as well, that, like, if somebody is sketchy enough to sell you this shit, they're sketchy enough to rip you off, too. Oh, yeah.
6: Yeah, no, it's like, hey, give me your Facebook account password, and I'll hack your ex.
3: Well, not only that, but, like, if you're giving someone, like, access to your uh, spouse's thing, like, they're not going to just probably just give
6: you what it says, right? Like,
3: yeah. The
6: best bet is to just say they're going to give you money and not give you, or say they'll do something for you and just not do it.
0: Well, more likely, they're going to take your money uh, to do the spying. They're going to spy and then say, now in order for me not to tell your spouse that yeah, I was yeah. just spying on you, yeah. you're gonna you're gonna pay me triple that. You know, just don't don't do stupid stuff like that and get yourself in a situation where you're gonna get uh ransomed for for <laughs> committing crimes upon crimes upon crimes. Yeah. yeah. That, so nice you're gonna a
8: problem, like, that it takes to do that, you may as well go and get help with your relationship. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah. it's it's kind of like
6: just like you could not do that, and that would be a lot better. It's just such an awful thing to do to somebody, and like not really productive for anybody in the long run.
0: Yeah, yeah, agreed.
6: Except for the person who's uh who's
0: on Fiverr. (laughs) Yeah, making that making that money.
6: Yeah, I I took like two seconds to search Fiverr and found this dude who has a bunch of that kind of crap.
0: Really just now oh, oh it's, yeah it,
6: yeah literally i googled i looked
8: up facebook account and it's on the first page
0: oh that's great <laughs> i gotta download nice. it Man. if
8: you're uh, looking for quick d for work hit up fiverr though because there's quite honestly a lot of people that are looking to pay like 25 bucks to have like malware that's really easy to remove took hmm. off of some shit <laughs> yeah know. true but at the cool. same time, be caution how you sign up for it because I also get emails now every week for people asking me to do stuff for like a dollar. Like, <laughs> no,
4: um, hey, will you do it fast. for exposure? <laughs> no, yeah,
8: I really like, yeah. like yeah. I put professional qualifications into my Fiverr profile, and people are messaging me like, "Hey, you want to do this for a dollar?" And I'm like, "I no, I have a job."
4: Yeah. Hey, let's go to the next story because we only have 10 more minutes of the new segment here. Um, so the next one is about people who found some uh, bugs in Nest security cameras. Surprise, surprise. Um, they're, the, you know, next generation, the, the latest generation of Nest cameras um, have a bunch of bugs in them. The coolest one, I think, is the uh, brute forcing of the uh, pairing code. There's just, you can brute force it and then pair with the camera once the brute forcing finds the right pin. Oh, cool. uh, and you can just uh, from there jump on, and it's your camera. Nice. Put it on the shopping list. Yep, that's yeah. also the fun shopping yeah,
3: list. Someone else's camera.
0: I, yeah, I have one of those. I'm gonna, I'm gonna try it.
7: Oh yeah. Horrible. Fun. Disgusting. Next. <laughs>
4: um, <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I mean, there, there's, I mean, if you have something like this, uh, definitely keep up to date with the latest patches and things because there are updates that are, but it seems to be able to do some firmware over the air updates, which is pretty cool. But yeah, I mean, it's just the kind of thing that we see all the time, even in stuff that is like Nest, which is very well known and has had a lot of people researching on it. um, There's still always going to be the stupid bug that will allow someone to look at you In your house.
7: Nest Nest was the one that uh, was the same manufacturer behind the baby watcher, right? The guy talking to the baby.
2: Mm -hmm. Oh, was it? Uh,
7: Yeah, I'm pretty sure that was also a Nest story.
0: Isn't Nest uh, Amazon or Google or one of them? I think
6: Google owns
0: it. Uh, Yeah, Google owns it. It was an
6: acquisition of Google's.
0: So uh, just a pro tip, uh, uh, I'm, I've talked about it a few times, but I'll, I'll re-mention it. If, if a agency of any kind gets a, <clears throat> a subpoena that's, uh, that's broad enough, they are totally able to subpoena the microphone on those things if they're inside your home, and they now have live audio inside your house. So just uh, be aware of that.
7: Yep. Smart gadgets mm-hmm. are cool, but they also have mute buttons. They do. Uh, well, it's, it's, in many cases, it's not
6: just live; it's also historical for a lot yeah. of people.
7: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, so if I'm gonna have a if I'm gonna have a uh, a, a conversation that is, um, you know, say it's for about work, or I'm gonna be on talking to the bank, or like something like that. Um, there's certain devices I turn off mute turn off whatever because I know that I'm going to like have to give over certain details and whatever and like if that is it it might not be listening you know it might be historical but it's just a case of like there's a if it is recording and your account is later compromised and it's like so say um, I don't know you've got your Amazon Alexa your Echo Dot or whatever and it, it overhears and it saves and there's a thing, you know, we talked about it uh, previously where you can listen to some of the recordings that, are, you know, go through and see what's there. And people have definitely found stuff where they didn't expect it to be recorded. Um, and it's just, not, like you said, historical. So if you're on the phone and you said that, you know, something that of course, triggered it and it saved it and then you put out your data and then someone else just like further compromises you through to some ridiculous convenience.
6: yeah. Well, and you can disable that, but I don't know if I trust that. And,
2: eh, it's, and so- it's better to it's just
0: software not. disable, you know?
6: Yeah, although honestly, your, your your odds of the support person, you know, reading your social security back to you and somebody else
7: overhearing it are much higher than your smart so If you're in your own home, I mean, you'd hope that no one else is overhearing you at home. Well, know. no, like I've, I've literally been in a support call where I can hear somebody else's SSN in the background because they're in a call center for Oh, yeah, definitely.
4: Yeah. All oh, the password. Hey, is Iran on here? Huh? Quran. Squeal? Everyone has stupid names right now, so... <laughs> True. I didn't, I didn't get a so yeah, alright, never mind, he's not. Okay.
7: I <laughs> everyone has stupid names. Alright, well, so, like... Okay, so it's next. Ass- <laughs> crime duo. <doer. laughs> crime duo.
4: Uh, you want to move on? Let's move on to, yeah, let's move on to the next one. So, um, we can skip over the air 51. One basically, Nevada is going to declare a state of emergency because of the stupid <laughs> one meme. I don't know Nevada, 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 but... Nevada, Nevada, Nevada. So, Nevada, right, government <laughs> uh, Nevada is um, taking action to try to uh, declare a state of emergency although i haven't heard a single person talk about area 51 memes so i think it might have died down but that kind of shows how slow um like uh you know the red tape is (laughs) yeah also
3: it's just funny that like right if you if your meme is successful enough you could warrant a state of emergency out of yeah that's
4: like that's like swatting a whole county that's like
0: (laughs) (laughs) jesus wow (laughs)
3: Oh my uh, God. Like when they talk about weaponized memes, this is this is a very good example. Oh. Uh, yeah, yeah. is it?
7: That's imagine a if, there was, imagine <laughs> if there was. Imagine if was like a psyop team, of some kind. Oh my gosh! Yeah. To, to oh, I
0: think that's absolutely what,
6: government resources like. to Area Fifty One. That would be brilliant.
3: So, like,
2: that's the that's thing. Good. Is like
3: the government is literally having to spend actual money on uh, yeah no, no like protecting us from protecting us from this meme.
6: Yeah they no, are I mean, if They're, you look at some of the stuff that Russia has done in the past, like the, the operations around using internet communications to screw with people and kind of nice things on battlefields.
0: To cause chaos a
6: stuff. yeah
0: like it would chaos like, operations.
6: Yeah, yeah like if you it, did just a silly meme but stuff like this could very very easily be weaponized
0: well i mean so yeah if if the if the u.s hadn't put any effort at all like let's say everybody just ignored it um from a department of justice and all that standpoint um there would have been no real pushback on it and it would have probably actually happened like it they would have gotten enough people together to get maybe 50 or a hundred people. That's all it takes for there to be a, a a visual that CNN Fox can run. And then tomorrow or the next day, there's thousands of people there. Like it easily could have happened. Can you imagine like
7: if it was a chaos event though, and like basically all of the resources that would have been, allocated elsewhere were just like sent to area 51 on the day and there's a million useful idiots who actually show up right. there and then at the same well, time that, you just rob a bank yeah <laughs> you,
8: you go attack where they're
6: not right like that's the that's an incredibly uh smart approach to that kind of thing it takes like a lot of planning and you know it has to be a
7: lot of luck to be successful with that but you could do it Yeah. I guess if, yeah, if you, if you were, uh, if you're actually tracking it and had to like, because one of the things you're talking about how much money it would waste of like to defend against, it also costs a lot of money to pull off.
4: Yeah. Um, And so the other thing
6: is like in this kind of situation, the area 51 thing is not, I don't feel like it's serious enough for them to like say, you know, Oh, let's put all of our resources here. But if you were to do like a, you know, if you made it look like there was a legitimate threat to people's safety, you could really uh, cause a lot of havoc and use that as a diversion.
3: Well, Not the problem with color. a lot of these events like this is all, that, all it takes is one idiot, right? Like, right? Yeah. That's or true. one like person who's like really into like some conspiracy shit, right? And then there's a very, very bad situation on your hands. Very and you got how many
7: people signed up for it? A couple million well imagine if the meme though was uh in in the realm of the polarization between like antifa and and the neo-nazis like all of a sudden that's like public safety and if the numbers grew like and and it spread so quickly people would be like oh shit we actually need to get like riot police or something on you know shields right
6: riot police also escalates the situation exactly
7: yeah Things. That was, three games.
6: It was really bad. I mean, you look at like the the Black Lives Matter thing. Wasn't Cambridge Cambridge Analytica involved in both in both sides of that conversation?
4: Russia was.
6: Yeah, and... you see how easy it is to like escalate an issue by pumping like... up both sides there.
2: Yeah, the Swiss
8: of World War Two.
6: <laughs> so yeah, like information uh... warfare through this kind of meme event would be really crazy.
3: You know, what's like our, what's I, our last, uh what's our last news story here?
4: The uh, last story we'll do real quick. This is four rotten packets. Such a good term. Four rotten packets. How four rotten packets broke CenturyLink's network for 37 hours. So if you remember this CenturyLink outage, this was uh, pretty cool. A lot of people were not able to get online. A lot of um, cell and uh, web communications were down. Um, so a lot of things were down. And it was because of four packets that were malformed and were basically they were broadcast packets that were sent out with no expiration and they would just bounce around and be forwarded to everybody and just clog up everything and just create you know additional packets from that and it just became this like recursive nightmare um i actually haven't read the full um uh post-mortem on this um but I'm looking forward to it because this is definitely something that can happen to anybody. If it happened to CenturyLink, happen to an entire swat, like aspect of the internet, um, it can happen at your work or it can happen to your systems, um, oh, yeah. how you do things. And um, definitely really interesting because there's there's no matter how much we know about computers, there's still we still rely on stuff that was made like 30, 40 years ago, like defined. <laughs> and it's just going to be like, like this.
7: The danger in this is also increasing because I think with uh, the complexity of software-defined networking and like the cloud, people are just getting like not but, like if you look at say routing tables in, in Amazon, right? Your AWS, yeah. like your EC2 instance routing table is absolutely friggin' useless. Don't touch it because you're going to just break everything. Um, or like within a Kubernetes cluster or something, you know, you, you don't, the networking is managed at a different level, but the networking still happens like physical networking still is going to go back to physical networking devices. So the yeah. crossover complexity raises so much that all of a sudden something that would have been clear to see when you've got like two Cisco 800s and a switch like is now abstracted 48,000 times. And you're like, Oh, this like broadcast you got through We're dumb IP tables sucks.
3: Like, <laughs> yeah. First of all, shout out to <laughs> Rotten Packets Report. Uh, <laughs> uh, but yeah, no, that's the problem is when you have, uh, right, when you have so much, like, or no one understands like all of it, right? Like, no one could understand all oh of it. Oh my gosh. And you get is so mad. much shit. Is it uh, great. It's just like layers on layers on layers of shit. And no one yeah. knows what's going on and how these things talk to each other. It's just all, oof. Bad, bad news, bad news bears. There's
6: just like a lot of different, the more features you have in a system, the more things there are that people forget to configure or things that don't work well with other
4: things.
0: Yep.
4: Um Okay, so now that we have gone through all the news, we should go on a small break and come back and talk about Bookbine with our esteemed
2: guests here. Yes, oh, very, very esteemed.
4: Um, one second cool cool. Um, alright yes thanks everybody we'll be back in a few minutes uh, we'll just go on a quick break and we will what's up we return
3: hello friends <laughs> how are we um, doing hi everybody
4: are we back I believe I believe yes. we are yeah. I believe we are back
3: online
4: all right, cool. <laughs> online <laughs>
5: the best oh, line very good
4: yeah. Alright, um cool. So we have one. Um all right everybody, so uh, we have here with us yes, Sam, aka Z L Z, uh Donuts and Nahamsteck. What's up, y'all? How's it
9: going?
7: How's it going? going. So uh the bunties, the bug bunties.
4: The bug bounties, yes.
2: Just bug
4: buddies. to just kind of just talk about bug bounty stuff. I mean, all of you here, uh, you know, the people who are our guests tonight are people who've, you know, had some pretty high profile stuff happen. Um, they are contributing to the communities in general and trying to teach people about bug bounties. Um, so yeah, I don't know if you have anybody here has anything they want to start off with for, I guess, things they might want to share. Um, or, Maybe we can even just start by introducing yourselves.
11: I think Donut should go first.
10: You're an asshole. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, sure. Uh, I'm Donut. Uh, not like compared to like Sam and i have not been doing Bug Bounty quite as long. I think I actually just passed like a year uh, pretty recently, um, but. I had like some prior infosec experience and I got involved with bug bounties start. I started on the triager side where I was uh, triaging for my work. So we have a program and, uh, kind of like saw the kind of stuff that was coming in. And I was like, you know, what the hell, these people are getting paid thousands of bucks for this shit. So I I wanted (laughs) to get involved in it as well. And so now I'm here.
11: (laughs) Nice. I'm Sam ZLZ. Uh, I've been doing bug bounty like full time for like three years. Uh, I started like right after I got out of high school. Uh, tried going to university for a little bit, but just like went back to doing bug bounty stuff. Uh, I've been doing like live events this year, so there's been like a lot of cool stuff with that. I got a fun story with that with with Donna as well. Uh, and I worked with I worked with Ben for about uh, I think like six months as a triager. I think last year or maybe two years ago. But yeah.
0: Awesome. And you guys are, you guys are both doing that, uh, full time. Like that's, that's what you're
10: doing. I, I don't do it full time. Actually. It's just a part time thing. Okay. right.
9: Yeah. Awesome. I, uh, I've been around bug bounties for, I want to say five years since HackerOne one was a thing I was at buck route for a while. Um, I've been around for five, six years. Uh, product of bug bounties. So I, I owe my entire career to bug bounties, to be honest. Um, didn't have much to go enough for me in school and found bug bounties and people getting paid when Yahoo was the only program on hacker one paying. And I've been sticking around since. That's great.
7: So uh, I had a, a, a little confusion with uh, Whitey Cracker last night when, when uh, Sam's name, ZLZ's name popped up and you're not old enough to drink yet. Are you? No. Yeah, because I was like, we were at DefCon though. Like, we were in a, we were standing in a bar. Like, yeah. yeah so, anyway.
11: I think, are you talking about, about the bug crowd party?
2: Yeah, 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 yeah.
11: Yeah, it's. Yeah, I feel like it's weird because, like, with with like half the events, they're like, they'll they'll grab you by your wrist and be like, "Hey, show me your ID." I mean, I, the thing is, I don't drink alcohol, so it's really annoying, like going to DefCon because it's like, oh. I want to hang out with people or whatever. Yeah, but like the bug crowd event, I don't know. They just kind of
2: let me through, so
7: yeah well i mean the legal drinking age in australia is 18 so like when australians go to vegas it's kind of like everyone tries to get in everywhere anyway Because, like what's this stupid 21 shit? but um back to the topic uh so you you guys do pretty well in bug bounties i guess um sort of like seems to be quite a big divide uh between people who are making a living and people who are making some money um So doing it full-time, I guess, like how many hours a week would you say between you guys you kind of like sit down and just actually go at stuff versus uh, leaving scripts like scanning or recon or whatever? I got
11: you. Just a question, like Ben, were you, did you ever work as a full-time, I think, I think when Yahoo came out, you said you're working full-time as a bug money hunter, but is that
9: right? Yeah, I did it full-time for a while, but I didn't, I didn't enjoy it. I made decent money from it. But I mean, when you're hacking, for me it was just more of a fun. But when you're relying on the money to pay your bills and you're already broke in college, it doesn't work out. So I quit doing it full time and got a job. Yeah, Um, I got better at it, and I don't do it full time, but I make more at my day job.
11: Yeah, I think I think that's sort of what I'm running into right now. Is like, uh, I think doing it full time, like you're you're totally capable if like you're someone who's you know by yourself and you don't have a lot of obligations. I think the trick to it is like. when I first got into it, I was working like a really crappy, like pretty crappy job. You know, I really didn't like it, but I like made enough to be able to like have a few months worth of like, you know, payment if I needed it. Uh, and then like once I had that, it was I was able to go from there and then like uh, contribute when I wanted to. The thing that's annoying is like, uh, like, let's say like you're doing terrible, and then it starts getting stressful and then you can't really find bugs when you're stressed out. Like I myself, like if, if I've ever been in a situation where it's like, oh crap, like you know, next month's rent is up and I have to like find a bug, it's like never possible because you're not in the right mindset for it. I think like if you have enough money to just like kind of be okay for a little bit, and then like you kind of just enjoy hacking, you can kind of just do what you want to do. Like I feel like for like the full-time bug bounty hunters, it's kind of like people who play video games, right? Like if you enjoy video games, you kind of just do that like instinctively, right? And I like enjoy like hacking things, so it's like easier to do. But I definitely, I would never suggest like full-time to anybody, especially like I mean, there are, like, few people, I think, who... I think it would be less about capability and more about just, like, do you enjoy doing it? You know what I mean? Like um, sports versus video games. Yeah.
8: I think yeah. it's interesting that you say it's uh, just how you enjoy it, but my question is, how how many times do you, like, have something that you want to do and you just never get around to it? Like, does that ever, like, bother you at all? Or?
11: Oh, yeah. Do you mean, like, uh, like things I want to do within Bug Bounty or, like, things yeah, I want to do? I'm
8: sure you've probably got, like, a text file of, like, probably like no, kind, okay. of kind of different things you want to look at, right? Like yeah, how do so like them all?
11: It's, it's really hard. Like a lot of times I'll be like, I was working with another researcher's yacht and uh, we were looking at this like really obscure functionality and like, we're like, oh my God, this, this domain's in scope. And like, we're like digging like this rabbit hole. And then it's like, wait, wait, we're, we're supposed to be focusing on this other thing. So we had to like jump back to it. Cause we knew like if we spend time on this new thing, we're never going to find a bug. So like, I don't know. There are, there's a lot of stuff that I really want to spend time on, but like circumstantially it's hard to do. There was recently, uh, there was like for the past couple months we've, I've been doing, uh, with donut actually too. Uh, we were doing like live hacking events, uh, which are really interesting. Right. So those are like, there'll be like one, one or two companies. Uh, typically it's just one, but you'll get like pulled to an event where like you get given a target scope and then you've got like a couple of weeks to find bugs and then you submit them like within those few weeks, but once you get to the event, like there's like a leaderboard and stuff. So like it's kind of nice because it gives you like a target to like actually hack on, I guess.
7: So um a lot of the live events I guess uh, are invitational events as well. Um Yeah. So it's probably like if what uh, maybe what advice could you give on people who are currently doing internet bug bounties that want to make it to a live event.
11: Yeah, so it's really, it's really interesting because there's a lot of like, people have a lot of different feedback for about this, right? Um, I think live events, a lot of times, it's really hard for like, take a company like HackerOne and you really want to be able to like, I think HackerOne, if they could, would like easily like, or like e- HackerOne Bug crowd Bugcrowd would like, would want to have a lot of people at these events if they could, where it's like a, a lot of people hacking on one program. But I think the idea of like an event where like, you kind of have to like earn your way there and go there and like then hack on the target is kind of interesting. That's more incentivized. But I think if you wanted to get there, like to hack on like a, a live target, I think it's like one is like community. Uh, if you're like within the community and you're giving like, you're contributing things like uh, tools, research, blogs, uh, that's a huge thing, right? Like if you kind of know your way around and like you're able to like give like things back to the community, that's, you know, good. People kind of know who you are. Uh, if you're like a good hunter, right? If you're improving, if you've got a great signal uh, and you kind of like, are able to do well under pressure, which is kind of what the live events are, right? Uh, I think there's, like, you'd be kind of one of the people who would be invited to the events. Uh, I think it's kind of a hard transition because, like, most of the people who are at events, uh, it's, at least for me personally, I've noticed there's a lot of the same people who go to the live hacking events, and then uh, there's, like, a different pool each time of people who are, you know, kind of newer people or people who are, like, kind of blowing up a little bit and are able to do stuff. And I think it's kind of like a trial and error type thing where it's, where it's not necessarily like, is this research going to perform well at live events? But it's kind of like, uh, can you perform well under pressure at these events? And I don't know, That that's just my view on it. Uh, I think the platforms that are kind of working on like a technical way that people can sort of earn their way to events. I know Hacker One, for instance, Ben can talk more about this as well. Uh, does like CTFs. And if you, you know, complete the CTF or one of like the th- first three people or whatever, you get like a paid invitation to like, for instance, I think there was one for 702 this year.
2: Mm
7: -hmm. so uh you mentioned contributing uh back to the community um like in regards to like bugs like write-ups and things like that uh, after something has been triaged like how do you feel about sharing you know uh something that is going to help basically your competition make money and potentially you make less money like
9: is it it's It's a big conversation. Um, Sorry to jump in. It's a a huge conversation because like at the end of the day, there's so many different programs. Some of these programs are private. Not every hacker is on all these programs, right? And if as long as you're not the only person sharing in the community and there's other people sharing new tools, new articles, new write-ups, new bugs, whatever that is, I think it balances itself out. But also you're right. Like if I find a new technique, I'm not going to write it up immediately. I'm going to do my research, And I think that's what most hackers do. They go into their research they try to make as much money on this uh, you know, new technique or new role type they've found, and then they start slowly uh, you know, p- pushing it out to the public, whether it's a talk or um, a blog post and kind of thinking credit for that work, you know?
11: Yeah, and I think, I think it's interesting too. I think for the most part, Bug Bounty is like incredibly collaborative. Uh, maybe there are a few people who are like incredibly like kind of just looking to like leech off other people for bugs, and it kind of sucks. But I think as long as you're not really like, working with people who are, like, negative to you and just, like, enjoy, like, what you're doing, like, the research and are able to, like, contribute alongside you, then it's totally fine. Like, for instance, uh, maybe you make a mistake and you work with someone who's, like, just kind of, like, leeching off you. Like, I just wouldn't work with them again, you know? Uh, sharing blog posts, though, yeah, like Ben said, like, if, if, you're, if you do it, like, if you feel like you've juiced it enough, then I think it's totally fine to share. And I, I love sharing, you know? So, like, mm-hmm. I would much rather, like, share it than not share it.
6: Something cool. interesting you mentioned a little bit was uh pairing in bug bounty hunting. This is something I've heard about a little bit. Uh, Could you talk more about what that usually looks like? You know, if you're, you're pairing up with somebody else to, to look into a
2: bug.
11: Yeah. So I'll give you an example of donut. So like, uh, me and me and donut work together at like this, uh, bug kind event in San Francisco. And, uh, there was a, an event in Las Vegas that was coming up in like two weeks. So like, we, we decided in San Francisco that we were going to create a team for the Las Vegas event. And, uh, we got like five people together. We we're all like pretty good friends and like, we all had different skill sets. And I think that's an important thing, right? Uh, like let's say for instance, uh parent, I think pairing works really well. Cause a lot of people have different approaches and different like things that they're good at. Like, let's say for instance, one person is good at like reconnaissance and they're able to reproduce a particular type of finding like in different environments. And then someone else is like able to find that particular interaction. Like, let's say, for instance, uh, you notice that there's weird stuff going on with, like, I don't know, the exported foreheader header, and you're able to, like, access, like, specific targets that you shouldn't be able to, like, slash admin via passing, like, a local IP. Uh, and then someone else is like, oh, you know, I'm crazy good at recon. And I can find, like, all these different hosts. Then you can just kind of apply that there. But I okay. guess going back to that, oh, go ahead. Sorry. No,
6: no, no. It's different disciplines, right?
11: Yeah, absolutely. I'm mean, like, yeah, with, with any, like, with any, like, I don't know with any like work, I guess there's people different disciplines, but I guess one thing too, is like being able to like build off excitement off each other. Uh, like half the time, you don't really want to look for stuff. You kind of just want to like poke at something, you know, I think it's really exciting. Like once you find that, like something you can like mess around with, like, let's say there's like some like potential service side request forgery and like, maybe you're, you didn't really want to find that, but someone's like, Hey, check this out. And then you can kind of just like work it, work it up and like try different things. Yeah. Oh, I yeah, guess um, because we, we created a team for like the Las Vegas event and it worked really well together. Uh, we had Andre, Fisher, uh, Donut, there, there's uh, Yasin and uh, a couple other people who were all like just like hacking together on a team and it worked really well.
10: Yeah, it was actually really cool because uh, in a weird way, we kind of like self-organized. We, we kind of like yeah. split off into like working groups. Like I was looking at a particular like a recon source that uh, I wrote a tool before the event to try to find a bunch of uh, shit from that recon source. And so as I was like getting interesting entries, I was sending it over to somebody else and we were splitting up the work of like going through it. And then at the me- meanwhile, like you've seen in Ramsexy, we're off on the side on this other asset, like they both had an account on the asset and they were testing like interactions between accounts and shit. And then like, OxCCBzLZ, Z L Z, they were going off and like doing some interesting shit on this other asset where they were kind of like free roaming and looking for, it was really cool. It was a good time.
9: Yeah. I mean, it, doesn't I just, have to, it doesn't have to be like limited to the live hacking events either. Like I've hacked with a number of hackers uh, through different you know, Slack channels and stuff. And I'm amazed of how many times I've missed something that, you know, they pick up and like, oh shit, you know, we found this. Um, that I completely looked over. Uh, I think it's an approach in the background you have and how you look at things. Um so it doesn't have to be limited to just doing it in person. And um I think a lot of people collaborate whether if it's just uh, sharing sources for recon or just pointing to the app that they think it's vulnerable, but they haven't found anything on it, you know. Yeah.
2: That's awesome.
4: Cool. Um, so we had a question from the chat.
7: Uh there was one from from Twitter. Um yeah.
4: Is it Esquire-ings? Because yeah Because Esquiring, so first off, everybody shouts to Esquiring Fred Jennings for to ask us a question. Um, he made us a GitHub license, which anybody here can use. Um, <laughs> I didn't even think we could add a license like this to GitHub, but apparently we can. He, it's called the Do What the Fuck You Want to Public License. And <laughs> It's like the new public license, like any other license that you might put on your software. And it just says, do what the fuck you want to. And it looks very professional. So shout out to uh, Fred Dennings. Thank you so much for this. Um, He's a good guy. He's
5: actually, he's a bro in that field. Just FYI.
4: Yes. Yes. (laughs) Um, So yeah, his question was, what are your favorite tools or methods for efficient initial investigation slash discovery for bounties?
9: bash <laughs> that's in one sentence for me to be honest yeah, i did a lot of scripting over bash it's just made it easier for me
11: yeah bash is so nice because like i feel like there's so many like little like it's so hard to find like a concrete like single tool for like all this different stuff you do doing bunny stuff so i think bash yeah. works really well if you just want to like throw together a bunch of stuff
4: oh yeah, wow talking about, like making like a shell script with a bunch of different tools to just hit something with
0: yeah that actually like alleviates a little bit of my imposter syndrome when it comes to this kind of stuff. Cause I'm new to uh, the whole CTF and bug bunny stuff. Um, never really di- dove into it super hard. And, uh, I find myself relying on a lot of just shell scripting stuff and it, you know, it's not as hardcore or as interesting as C. Um, yeah. so
9: Yeah. Yeah, I mean, if it makes you feel better, man. I don't. I don't have a developer background or any programming languages under my belt. I know a little. I know a little bit of Ruby, maybe, and some Python. But at the end of the day, Bash is my go-to, just because it's easier. Wow. When you're mass stuff at, you know, you, you, I'm scanning uh, thousands of hosts at once. I don't have time to sit down and uh, write stuff in Ruby and figure out what why it's not working. I just put something in Bash. It's a loop, loop through other tools that people have already written and using it already instead of wasting my time. You know. Just yeah, well, that. Yeah. So, do you think,
4: though, that if you knew, like, a scripting language, like, like more proficiently, that it would help you better? Or would you think that you could, like... Because that's been a, a, a topic that I've seen with people uh, who do bug boundaries and CTFs um, who kind of rely on, uh, like, tools and stuff. But, I mean, if you are find the tool that works for you, it definitely it's valid. There's still results. You know, you're still finding bugs, but do you think that it would be benefit any of you who don't program
9: um, to actually be able to write your own tools? I mean, it does. I mean, you, you can write the stuff that you, you can automate the stuff that you're doing on a regular basis, but at the end of the day, you're, the, the stuff that you're automating with scripting is the recon part, right? Maybe some bugs that are low hanging fruit, you can automate it in whatever language. At the end of the day, if you don't have the, you know, the fundamental appsec experience, and you don't know how to find these bugs, none of the programming languages are going to help you. That's you could be yeah. at scripting, right? But if you don't know how to spot an XSS, which is something easy to do, uh, for most folks, if it's vulnerable to shut up, you can find it easily. If you don't know how to look for those, it doesn't matter how many languages you know.
6: But That's what about like something like, uh, like XXE or, or you know um, object serialization that requires a little bit more knowledge? Do you usually just use a payload for that, or is that something where you,
9: when I learned about XXC, I learned the basics of XML. <laughs> Easy. Just picked up the basics and moved on. From it. Yeah.
6: But okay. So object deserialization is a little bit different. Story. Better yeah. now, Cause you got to find the gadget chains for whatever language. Yep. Yeah.
7: Yeah. Um, so, like, I guess uh, just a quick shout out in like tools and stuff to asset note. Um, I know that like, you know, naffy and Shubs are both pretty well known within the, uh, and everyone else is involved with asset note. Now it's grown significantly. Um, Check that out if you're looking to do some recon and some other stuff for your bug bounty programs.
3: Oh yeah, Shub's had a really great talk on uh, what I call like ephemeral ephemeral bugs and how they go about finding those. It's really, really, really interesting for anyone who hasn't seen it.
4: Um, so uh, Luminix had asked a few questions in the chat that I, we can um, go through here too. Um, so he asked, uh, or they asked for people who do, uh, bug bounties full-time, um, do you have counsel or retainer?
2: Like do you have any oh, counsel?
11: Yeah. For like uh, legal or like, yeah. Oh, in in terms of like, for instance, if like I'm hacking out of like, maybe like, uh, get into a legal situation, that's iffy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, no, not, not really. Uh, I mean like, the one thing I don't think I've ever been in a situation I'd felt like uncomfortable with bug bounty. I mean, there's maybe like a couple times where it's like an issue that's like maybe uh, like for instance, like let's say I f- accidentally find like denial of service on a target. That's like sending one post request. Right. And on that terms of service, it's out of scope. Like sometimes that's the most like iffy situation I'll get into for like bug bounty. Uh, I, I don't think there are like many situations unless you're like explicitly going for those situations where, it's necessary. I think there's a lot of, uh, I'm sure like a lot of you guys have heard about it already, but just like, uh, legal bug bounty and the efforts to like actually build like platforms that, you know, provide like actual, like legal, uh, support for researchers and like are operating legally. Uh, cause I think a lot of times, like a couple of years ago, most bug bounty programs were actually like illegal. Uh, but they just kind of had like these clauses where it's like, you know, we're not going to prosecute you or they, maybe they didn't even have that. Maybe they just had like, here's our terms of service. We're not really talk about that uh but but i think we're moving to a point now where like it's it's getting a lot better maybe we're not perfect but like i don't think i've ever like felt that i'd need that i guess
7: i guess so there's been a few talks on uh i think uh katie foster did one on like starting an internal bug bounty program and the um the uh well, the company that she was um talking on behalf of i think was uh fitbit um, so starting their internal, uh, bug bounty program. Um, and I guess there's that, that's very different to people who say, Hey, I've got a WordPress site. It's running, you know, it's, I have this like hosting. Can you see if you can hack it? It's like, they don't really own the server or the infrastructure. That's, I guess that's the legal, that's, that's not a real bug bounty. That's a, um, you might get money from a sketchy person if you own a server they
9: don't own. Like, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> thing is like these companies that are doing these bug bounty programs have like giant legal teams. They've probably gone past the legal point with their team in trying to get them to let them do this thing with uh, with bug bounties. So if they're asked at the end of the day, they're here to have like build this relationship and like get hackers to find bugs in their products. As long as you're not being you know you're not being a dick, they're gonna be fine with it.
6: Well, and um, I think that one of the biggest things was the the bug bounty programs like Hacker One and Bugcrowd. Set out a lot of kind of boilerplate policy and guidelines around that stuff. So I think that that's another
10: aspect here. Definitely. Yeah, I think I've only had one sketchy situation ever. I got like called at eight a.m. in the morning because I, like, I was hacking on this target, and the company behind the target was uh, very risk averse, I guess. And while I was hacking it. I was like live tweeting. I was like, oh, "Oh wow, I just got this." Oh yeah. I didn't say where. I didn't say anything about it. It was just talking about a book. Like I could have been doing a CTF, nobody would have known.
2: Yeah.
10: And uh, and I was just like, "Oh, any ideas?" And people were suggesting shit, and I was like, "Oh yeah, that's a good one." And I was like trying this stuff, and then oh, yeah. I got called at eight a.m. in the morning, and I had been up till like four a.m. the night before. And I was like, "Oh shit, come on!" I'm too that's, that's
6: impressive. Impre- impressive awareness on their part. And
10: yeah. Re- I actually fucked up pretty bad like in the recon sense like I the what pissed them off was that the video that I recorded of the full chain was too big to upload to hacker one so I like did an unlisted video on YouTube I was just like I don't give a shit so I just dropped the link in there and they were like this is on YouTube what the fuck and then they went and looked at my profile. There's a link to my Twitter, and they see like the whole uh, last night. Right? Uh, <laughs> and uh, and yeah, yeah. So I deleted a Sunday's worth of tweets. Oh <laughs> oh. I mean, there was
9: that. Um, there was that like shit show with Facebook and synac when uh, someone like got into the internal stuff for uh, they got into the internal infra for Instagram. Instagram. Um, yeah, that's right. Yeah. And then Alex, when he was the CISO at Facebook, gave his boss a call and was like, hey, what the fuck? And the dude was pissed because he was just working. Not, he wasn't doing research on their behalf. He just worked there and he was just pissed And he called his boss. And it Kind of a dick move, but it is what it is, you know? So, um,
7: yeah. We were talking at the very start of the show uh, a little bit about when like reporting bugs, like sort of like hyping up bugs a little bit. Um, do you guys generally. Try and like when you're reporting a bug, are you going for like the most money, and just to get it triaged? Like, what's like what process are you going through in your head when you're submitting the report for someone to read? Also, knowing that you've read them yourself, like how how you, they're perceived. I don't know. I
11: I think when I first started, like it was kind of like whatever, right? Like whatever I could find. Uh, like when the first like year or two, it's just like trying to understand application security. And like for instance, like you explore like cross site scripting, so you try cross site scripting everywhere. I think it's like time went on, it's just like more and more just like stuff that I've been interested in. Also, just going in terms of impact, right? So, like over the last year, I've done like a lot of research into like directory traversal and like uh, character injection for like URL stuff. And I've just been like trying that like everywhere. Cause I know that like it's there's a lot of different like impact, it varies, but I find my like, research interesting, you know? So, I don't think right now like it's, you know, like trying to get like crazy impact bugs, but it's more just like exploring something new, you know?
10: I think when I'm like writing up reports, uh, the thing going through my mind is, holy fuck, I don't think, I hope this is not a dude. Like, that's what I'm caring about. Um, in oh, terms of hyping up the bugs, yeah. I actually can't do that. I like, I, I can't do that because I, I've i like triaged a fuckload of bugs. And so when I see that, what I'm thinking is like, oh man, I really hope I don't have to explain to this dude why this is not a critical.
7: Yeah. yeah. It really
10: Sorry. sours my mood when I see that.
7: Yeah. Tell me about, like, overhead. I was going to just like from my experience, like uh, getting reports at a vendor, like I've had somebody uh, give me many hundreds of reports of instances of AES, CBC. and being like these are all like padding Oracle. And I was like, none of these are padding Oracle. Um, and, you know, putting, coming, having them come in as critical and like definitely hating being like, Oh, I can't believe this guy submitted like all this stuff. Like this is crazy. Um, but on the inverse of that, like I've never, like I, I've never raised the priority of a bug unless it's like doing as part of the triage, you've got like, Oh, um, this isn't just a denial of service. This is like a code execution. You know, that's the sort of difference, but like from a, from a, a, the other perspective, it's kind of like they want them to be like, you know, a company really wants them to be lower. So they pay out less, but you want them to be higher. So you get paid more. So if you hype it up, like it's more likely that a bug will get knocked down than a bug will be raised up.
11: It's really interesting actually. I think that like within a pen test, I think you're more, they're typically going to be like very like aversive to the report. Uh, like most developers like i worked with during pen tests are very like, oh, you know, this is like less than it is, but like with bug bounty, I feel like there's almost an incentive for programs to explore the criticality of reports just in, in terms of, uh, so researchers don't leverage things farther than they have to. Uh, for instance, right. Like let's say you find SQL injection on a domain and you report it and you say, Hey, I can do this. You know, here's my MySQL error. It's SQL injection. If a team said, "Well, you didn't prove it by dumping the whole database," then they'd kind of be inviting researchers to like do that. So I feel like a lot of times, like in terms and conditions, they'll be like, "Hey, if you report something, we'll explore it a little bit further ourselves." That way, you don't have to, and we can have someone trusted doing it. Uh, and I've had like a lot of good interactions like that. So I think like I can definitely see like where you're coming from with like trying to like number reports a little bit, uh, so people understand. But I kinda of have to like side a little bit with Donut, how like I feel like most researchers who are kind of just like reporting kind of bullshit stuff do that. And I don't think it really helps because like the noise is already just like all over the place with all the other reports.
6: Yeah. So how- I, for for me, like reading reports, you can tell when somebody is is BSing it a little bit. And like there is there's people who will say, Oh, you know, you missed the this specific security header that has no implication for your static site, you know, give me $4,000 or whatever. And, and those people are very clearly distinct from the people who are actually doing real research and, and putting effort in time into finding these bugs.
0: Yeah. Wow. Like, but like they're clearing 4,000 for little stuff like that. Though? Well, no, they
6: thing. aren't. They aren't, but they're trying to.
0: Oh, I, right? see, like, I see. They're
6: yeah. like, Hey, you're not paying me enough for this little thing. It's like, <laughs> what are you talking <laughs> I mean, about? Uh, what about yeah. like, seeing people who are actually trying is such a breath of fresh air amongst the sea of totally ridiculous
0: reports. Yeah, totally.
7: What about resubmissions? Like, say, so, say you've got like a load balancer with like you know, five nodes behind it and they patch, like they, they hand patch one node and the same bug. Like, How do you, do you go and just like put that in as a whole new bug, get like pay me again and do it flat for like That's, every box yeah. behind the balancer?
6: I, I've, I've definitely heard of people doing that in public reports. Uh, I, I think it depends. Um, on one hand, re-reporting stuff across multiple endpoints is iffy because like that is very possibly just the same technology stack behind it. But also it's a good way to kind of you know push people to fix the problem.
7: Yeah. like so they they hand patch one and then you go like,, uh, like let me do six more' Uh, bug reports, and then they basically go, "Oh, maybe like wake them up a little bit." Maybe, "Oh, maybe we should have like patched all the boxes and triage correctly." Yeah, I, I think
6: one thing that people don't usually think about on the reporting side of things is that uh, you know the security team almost always has really good intentions in mind, um, and I think there's a lot of pressure from clients to not you know spend engineering resources on fixing whatever it is. So there's a there's a push pull that goes there, and honestly, and sometimes researchers reporting legitimate vulnerabilities multiple times can be uh, a good way to push.
7: <laughs> if you get what I mean. Yeah. So, there's, uh you do you want to take this uh, question in the chat? Oh, okay. So, uh, what about bad vendors? Uh, the people like the the vendors that aren't friendly to bug reports um how do you deal with uh, someone that doesn't give a shit um i think it's it's kind of annoying when those like exist but like
11: honestly i feel like the researchers kind of we're at a point where you can kind of decide like what you want to do with your time so i mean like a lot of times i've heard of like researchers just submitting like a test report they'll find like maybe an xss and they're like all right let's test like whether or not this program is good to work with and like let's say it gets paid like six months it's like yeah fuck that i'm not gonna spend time there uh but like if it's like a particular situation where it's like uh a really big bounty or whatever like it's really frustrating to deal with but a lot of times i've had like hacker remediation or like bug crowd like get involved and like kind of like be the voice between the two parties and it does like work sometimes uh but just kind of crappy to deal with i guess
7: yeah well i mean i guess those uh the one time that I actually Bothered heart to like go hard on a bug bounty, and I submitted all those stuff. And uh, it ended up being a talk at B sides, like, and then they gave a shit after that, and I ended up getting paid. Um, but yeah, mm-hmm. I sent them a few emails, like, hey, so if these are all not important, do you mind if I talk about them? And then they were just like, didn't respond, so I was like, okay, then
2: hmm. <laughs> yeah,
7: nice. I'm gonna do this, and if you get in my way. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Hey, uh, one thing I'm wondering is if uh, any of you have come across, um, and this would obviously be outside the scope of Hacker One or or solidified bug bounty programs, but come across people that are soliciting you to work with them in their kind of startup feeling uh, bug bounty shop to work on questionable sites and i I guess another way of saying that is have you ever come across people that are trying to get you to own servers that they clearly don't actually have an agreement with and are just trying to trick you into uh into doing nefarious work for them under the guise of a legitimacy
9: i think i've had more people just bluntly ask me that question than like Try to like fake their way. I had a guy that hit me up randomly, and then uh, he was just like, "I have projects for you." It's kind of like gray hat, black hat. And I'm like, okay, like that's, like, that's you that's like that's what your opener was.
0: Yeah, it's a pretty big red flag. <laughs> but I could do I do
9: occasional like, "Hey, can you hack my girlfriend's Facebook or you know your Snapchat?" What do you guys post it on Thug Crowd about your mom punishing you or? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You guys got to say, Hey, I, I don't, I don't People ask me like, Hey, do you have websites that just reply saying no In the In conversation they go away?
10: Yeah. I think that's nice. usually what I get is like people saying like, Hey, can you get into this account? I had this one that was really wild where I'm like to this day, I'm curious if it was legit or not, but somebody had messaged me and had like a certain profile picture and they said, Hey, this is my other account. And I had like lost the password or 2FA mechanism or some shit like that uh, is for a Twitter account. And they were like, hey, can you help me get into this? And I looked at the account and it had like the same profile picture, but it clearly hadn't like said anything since some certain time period. I was like, this is like 90% bullshit, but like, mm-hmm. I'm curious. Of course I said no, but... <laughs> Yeah,
9: yeah. Yeah. Rihanna went, at one point. Oh, um, Rihanna! Yeah, I remember that. remember that. I think they went after a bunch of like, bug, bug Bounty hackers, telling them that. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah.
10: Oh, yeah. <laughs> this, was,
0: I, I think we're talking about the same things. Yeah, that, that but, was
4: uh... that I had posted before um, of the person who I, I always I said back to them was just Jeff, and then they just went off for like months saying, "Yeah, Jeff." Answer me, Jeff. Answer me fast, like.
2: <laughs>
7: please, sir. Like any any DM that starts with uh, like or that ends with you know, please reply fast or hello, sir, comma comma dot dot comma comma dot. <laughs> like <that's, laughs> they come in like that, and you're like, oh god.
0: Nice, but it sounds like in general that's not really a thing that happens too often.
11: No, and if it is, it's nothing really, like, ever serious, you know? I had one that was really strange, and it was, like, uh, somebody who had really, really, really good English uh, and said they were from China, wanted, like, a government website hacked. And they mm. said, like, the website, they obviously didn't. Like, it was a really strange situation, uh, but I didn't really, I don't think I responded to them, but it was just really strange.
0: Yeah, that's that's kind of the thing I was getting at is, is whether or not you guys have come across that. That style of, uh, I, I guess, almost social engineering in a way where they're they're lying to you that they I lying. Have authority.
7: I don't, I don't think it's called social engineering. This this is bad lying.
0: Yeah, <laughs> I, I corrected myself right at the end, <laughs> but yeah, where they're just lying, saying that they have authority or they represent this company when they clearly don't, or it it, it seems really suspect. But it just sounds like they don't really happen a
2: lot.
7: So what's yeah. uh, what do you think is going to be like? So, been doing this for a few years now. That it's only been around for like what five years, really. Um, what's next? Like, do you see more companies getting into it? Do you see like I guess Synac uh, are kind of um, moving into more of a, like traditional consulting cross bug bounty thing like i don't know
11: i feel like they're definitely more like a lot of more platforms are trying to take place and like take hold of little niches uh like i have a friend who's really big into game hacking and he started his own consultancy for like game hacking bug bounty uh which is really interesting but i got one on linkedin as recently which was like a european bug bounty platform so i feel like people are trying to like uh take up the market right now uh but there definitely seems to be more hunters which is really awesome uh, you know bug crowd does like car hacking stuff which is kind of cool uh, so hopefully like hopefully it's just like built up a lot more
7: yeah I think there's uh, there's also uh, a few of the platforms I don't know I've, I haven't been involved with um, with any of this but are doing more internal testing now uh, through bug bounty so like VPN gateways and, and whatnot. Yep, uh, which is pretty cool as well um, moving off, like, off that uh, just internet-facing stuff. Um, I guess I'd, like one of the th- like one of the things that I think is very effective um, that is the bug bounty is not so great at it is you know white box testing like code code review and analysis. And it would be interesting to see that in more of a you know sign NDA deal. But I guess the 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 risk is always that the code goes missing or gets released publicly or whatever. But yeah, I think that would be be interesting to add, uh, addition to the scene.
11: It's kind of frustrating, to... honestly. Oh, go ahead. Sorry.
10: Oh, uh, yeah, sure. Uh, I would actually say it's like kind of eking its way into the scene right now, like at live hacking events, I, what I've noticed, and at least like the bug crowd events, um, and I'm trying to remember, I'm not sure if this happened at 7:02, but at least at the, at the bug crowd event. And then there was one other one, they had people from the target with laptops, like engineers, like walking around and be like, anybody need to see source code. And it was actually really cool. Um, I wish that the, I wish that the interface was a little bit better. I like had to tell the guy like what I was looking for and he had to like, try to go through the code to see if he could find it uh, spoiler alert. He couldn't, but mm-hmm. it's kind of neat that people are trying that. Cause I definitely my from my backgrounds, like traditional code review appsec developer kind of stuff. So if I could see the code, like I'd be finding things a lot quicker. Right. Uh, yeah. And having to like guess and check. So I I, I really like, hope to see more exploration in that from companies. But yeah, like at a wide scale, it's pretty hard to do.
0: Was that? Like about, so like, did you have to do NDA before that event started? I assume.
10: I'm sure yeah. there was something I clicked. I don't know.
0: Yeah.
7: <laughs> I guess like one like one thing I guess you can imagine uh, like everyone's probably familiar with is like imagining the, the SQL query in your head when you're doing it. Black box is like, you're like, okay, the SQL query looks something like this when it's all written out. So my injection goes here. I'm like, you know, when you get that, can I have a look at this query, please? Yeah. You know, oh, exactly. there I am.
0: Like, yeah, uh, I think it's, I think it is cool that uh, they're, it sounds like they're moving towards the direction where that's going to be more and more accessible. So less, very
7: cool. Imagining 27 inner joins.
0: Yeah. Right.
7: <laughs> Uh, There's like, sorry, go ahead.
0: No, I was just going to say something stupid.
11: I got you. My connection is really bad, so I feel like I am interrupting people constantly. But I was going to say, like, uh, the one thing which is kind of frustrating is, like, modern web applications are so confusing for terms of, like, oh, yeah, like, you want to see the source code for this. Like, okay, this is a request that sends you here, which runs this function, which is, you know, inside of this function. And also just, like, okay, like, slash profile is actually a V host to, like, this internal box, (laughs) Internal box, you have to contact the team in like Australia. And it's like, oh, geez. You know what I mean? Like, you're so many layers yeah. deep point. I think, like, what I could totally see that being done, which I think it's done with now, is like, uh, teams are like deploying new applications and stuff, you know, and it's like very, very well documented. But I, I'm sure, like, anybody who's worked at Pentest knows, like, they're like, oh, yeah, we, we want you guys to test this API. And then they don't give you any documentation. You have to, like, hacky form like the JSON post request. It's like, I don't know, yeah, it's a you mess. Have
4: to, like, spend so much time doing that sort of like just base level, like, how do I even make a request to this stupid thing? Kind well, of thing. The,
6: uh, the JavaScript frameworks have made things complicated mm. too with something like React,
4: yeah, express like API yeah, shit, React
0: like, React. So or uh,
6: WebAssembly is going to be an interesting one when that starts to be more widely used.
0: Um, uh, yeah, it's really ramping up quick, isn't it? I'm here. All around it. a the
7: circle. I think you we might have something to go out in the coming weeks maybe in WebAssembly.
4: Oh yeah, I do. I made a WebAssembly with them a challenge. It's
2: nice. fun. <laughs>
7: oh God. But uh yeah, I, I think um definitely like yeah, that moving away from the like soul black box stuff would would be quite interesting. But um do you have any more questions from the chat? Has anyone had to deal with a client that has a dedicated support? A uh, contract for maintenance. Hmm? But, uh, I think that's a question. Oh, sorry. I'm, I'm misreading that as a question. Okay.
0: Oh uh, yeah. I thought it was a question too though. <laughs> I was like trying to <laughs> understand how, what? Yeah. Uh, yeah.
3: what would you guys say? Like if you could pick up like one, like skill, like kind
10: of like be better at one thing, what would you guys say you would want to be better at? Oh, I know what I would want to be better at. I I think don't say Rust. Don't no, dude. No, no, no. no. I'm, I'm, dare I'm say good rust. at Rust, and I'm the best at regular <laughs> expressions. Don't you question that shit? <laughs> but, <laughs> but I think the one thing that I'd want to get better at is and it's purely because I haven't spent a lot of time on it because it doesn't benefit me right now. Is binary exploitation? I can do the oh, basics, yeah. and I've like done it just so I could get my toe in the water. I could talk the talk a bit. But yeah. I, I, I couldn't sit down and, like, in six hours hammer out something. Right. Like it would like take me a lot longer to do it.
0: Or, or reverse, like, a patch. Like, exactly, yeah. yeah. Like, for me,
10: like, I, I see binary exploitation as, like, this is, like, totally bullshit. But it, it, to me, it feels like real hacking. And web stuff is just, like, fucking around. Because it's just remembering a bunch of interesting, silly rules about the web and interesting interactions. And, like, <laughs> I already know that stuff, think- so it doesn't feel as hard.
0: Yeah, I was just gonna say. Do you think it's just because you're you're currently so familiar with it that it feels like oh, it's nothing? Yeah, but I'm in reality, sure it's yeah, cool. it's probably. And just I
6: think also, also like XSS and stuff. It's a lot of that, but then there's also certain <laughs> classes of web bug that that are more server side, require a little bit more. Like yeah,
2: yeah. Like as yeah.
7: a, a, as, um, a slide as a flip side to that, as a flip side to that, like. Um, I feel like I've spoken to some very, very good binary reverse engineers, uh, and, and, you know, who can, who are very good at writing exploits and stuff and they don't, um, know a lot about web and they're like, I need to learn more web. So I guess like the final goal could be something where, you know, you get, uh, like something through like a binary, uh, like a, a remote binary exploitation payload through reverse proxy, Do you understand because, you know, like the web stuff and then you have, you know, the target is actually, you know, um, like remote code execution or something like your buffer overflow or something.
6: It kind of goes back to what you were saying about people, you know, working together in in groups because like there is so, you know, you could spend a lifetime researching either of those two things. Mm -hmm. And so like, if you're getting into real world situations where that stuff's being exploited, Probably want somebody who's actually really, really good at both of those things, but I don't know if you'll find a single person who's yeah. Like
2: it
0: feels like though, uh, you know, when you're when you're online, especially on Twitter and stuff, when people are showing their best sides or showing their best wins, it's easy to get the impression that a lot of people have all those skills in one person um well my, and
6: it's also just like all those skills is a really massive umbrella you know yeah. there's nobody who, who has all the skills in binary reversing or appsec
7: you
0: know yeah true side.
7: just do you use the magic word dan can we get the the online soundboard please oh uh,
2: <laughs> <yeah, laughs> wait the <would> online you... <laughs> <laughs> I
7: no,
0: that's, a, that's the Sam word. Um, oh, is it? Uh, Wait, what did I say? <laughs> what did say? That, I say yeah. cyber?
4: <laughs>
0: <laughs> Hell yeah. Well,
4: hey, is there any last words that anybody here has for, any of our guests here have for anybody who is looking to get into Bug Bounty and having heard a lot of the ins and outs of the industry and the culture around it? Um, do you have anything else you want to share or anybody to shout out?
9: I want to give it, a, give it a try with the whole getting started and bug bounties. Like there's two things. Anybody that hits me up, asks me that's non-technical. And I think it's like in anywhere in life it works is one is perspective. If you wake up saying, I'm not going to find shit, you're not going to fucking find shit. Like perspective has been a huge thing to me. Um, mm-hmm. and it sounds cheesy and cliche, but honestly, it's been different. Uh, when I wake up saying, you know what? I'm going to pop this thing that I've been working on for a week and not finding anything on. And the second one is just grinding, which is the same thing as you know, I've woken up and said I'm going to do this, and I've been doing it for two weeks now, and nothing. Um, Grind and just perspective. Don't give up. Uh, It takes a lot of time. It sometimes takes maybe six months to a year for some people. It took me six months for my first legit bug when I found a SQLite that you know meant something to me. Um, Just don't give up. It takes a while, and there's a lot of competition. But once you get that, you know, once you get into the the groove or whatever you want to call it, and you start getting the Idea of how to identify things when you see them. You start having a clearer vision of how things work and how to approach these targets when you see them.
0: Yeah, just just to add on to that, really quick, because um, we're running a long time. But I had put out a uh, a small poll, kind of asking, you know, how long do you do you typically spend? What's your median time that you spend per box for uh, hack the box? And the answers to that were were clearly very much well over six hours more towards the day plus range and um i think not being familiar with it i had no idea that a majority of people spend a large amount of time on boxes so i guess the point of me bringing that up is just to uh echo what you're saying and and give some new newcomers uh hope that, yeah, if it takes a long time to get into that box, that's fine. Um, That's, that's just the game.
3: (laughs) Yeah. You have to remember this isn't easy for everyone, like for almost anyone. Right. Like that's why people are getting paid money to do
0: it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's a really good point too.
10: Yeah. Like if it's all right to like jump in on this I I definitely, usually will probably spend like four to six hours to get like my first bug on a target. Um, Sometimes it happens really quick, but like that's look at the draw at that point. It's usually it's not because I was doing anything special or had some magic sauce. It it takes a lot of time to really kind of like understand what you're looking at and start identifying like the uh, places of interest, I think. Uh, So it takes a while. I think the biggest tip that I have for like new people in the space, though, uh, I mean, to kind of add on to what uh, Nahamsek already said is you, you need to really understand what impact means. And, and this is, I think, a huge problem in the industry right now. And it makes a lot of people like meme about bug bounty. It's like, oh, bug bounty hunters, what a waste of time. You know, like they're just going to run burp suites like passive Skinner and submit something. And to be honest, there's a little bit of truth to that. Some people are doing that. And I think like they need to understand what's the actual impact. And so the thing that I usually tell people to try to understand that is you need to pretend that you are like legit black hat. You're actually trying to take this company down. You're trying to actually steal some shit from a user. How would you do that with your finding? And I think a lot of the time they're going to just say, like, if it's bullshit, they're just going to say, but this report got paid. I'm like, well, that's because that program sucks and they shouldn't have paid it (laughs) like straight up. There's a lot of bad programs and it ruins it for the rest of it. Rest of And,
6: And And there's a lot of good programs too, though. If you report stuff that's legitimate, people will be able to recognize that. Like good programs can smell that shit out from a mile away.
0: I think, uh, but yeah, the, the original thing that you're saying of understanding impact and being able to convey that properly is going to likely be the difference between getting paid for your hard work and not.
7: Yeah, I think uh, a good example of, of uh, you know, impact as well is uh, where we had, you know, we talked about earlier in, in the news the the baby monitor and the, that in that story, when that uh, thermostat was hacked, the, uh, the thermostat was cranked up in the baby's room to like 38 degrees or Celsius or whatever, like so. Whoa, what the fuck? yeah, the hacker did some, some nasty shit. So like, you know, it might've only been access to like that specific bug might've been pretty crappy, but it had a real world run on effect that, uh, impact can extend a little further than like, you know, oh, it's just a CSRF. It's like, it's a CSRF that can change the, you know, environmental controls. That's bad. That's worse. Yeah.
2: Exactly. And it's interesting
10: fire. because like, you can look at the same bug in, on two different assets. And you get wildly different impacts. Like I had a um, a CSRF that was like it would atta- you would attach your uh, account via a particular integration to someone's service. Uh, it was like just the standard OAuth. Like forgot to check the the token the state token. And in this particular case, it was like pretty low. I was like surprised that I got like more than three hundred dollars for it. And in this other case it would actually like on this completely different asset exfil all of their documents. And I just had everything. It was like for some legal target too. So it's like, it's super beneficial for you to learn this skill because you'll get
9: more money out of it. The impact is because like there was a time when like Donut and I found the CSS injection and we just know what to give up on it. And we turned that uh, CSS injection into, uh, c Surf tokens, which went from a $50 payout to a max payout of $1,500. So that impact thing makes a difference. just got to figure out how to use it.
0: Right. Yeah. Yeah, there's something. It's It's the unfortunate uh, part, but those soft skills, uh, they do come in handy. Like you, you got to have at least a little bit of them.
6: Well, it's not even soft skills just knowing what the impact of the data you have is on the system that you're attacking
0: true yeah. but i, I mean be you know if even if you know the the impact if you're not able to communicate that impact uh, yeah. in a in a way that's
2: um, yeah if you're reasonable. overly <laughs>
6: adversarial or you're not clear yeah 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 i think
11: it's sort of related there's like this funny story of uh Somebody had found this vulnerability and it, it like leaked a bunch of data, but they weren't from the United States and didn't know what SSN stood for. So they're like asking the report, like, what is this SSN value? You know, and they pulled a bunch of, I don't know. I, I saw this funny, but yeah, they, 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 they weren't clear for impact there, but <laughs> it definitely a critical report.
6: If you get the opportunity, go look at some of the like top hacker one reports where they're not legitimate, like their close is invalid because you get to see some of the bad behavior of people who just are not legitimately aware of the report that they have. I think it's hard too, because like
11: getting into bug bounty, you really want to find the bug, you know, and like you may find something that's like not necessarily like uh, exploitable or an actual vulnerability. Like let's say you find like post base open redirect, which is like, not really an issue, and then like you really try hard to explain like why there's impact there. But I guess that's the one thing like to suggest is like, avoid like explain to the team how it could be used by an attacker, like what the actual impact is, and then if you can't justify
6: yourself, you'll be fine. You know, like just don't report it. Yeah, and I mean, be willing to to give up in that kind of situation because if you keep fighting that, then you're just going to piss everybody off, and it's not going to it's going to make yeah, everybody m- that in that conversation exactly. Over- I, I, I think most of the top
11: are quote unquote, like top hackers, you know, I speak to like all started off reporting NAs and informatives. And I think like Pete Yaworski talks about his book, how like when he first started, he, he wasn't reporting anything crazy. And I think most, most people do. It, it's kind of a thing you kind of have to feel your way through. Like you can maybe investigate, like you, reading through activity is great. Like Donut said, cause it's like, you know, you can kind of uh, feel that out easier, but I think it's kind of learned over time
1: too.
10: I think there's actually a bit of a downside with the hacktivity, and don't get me wrong, I absolutely love disclosure, and I think that it's like super awesome that everyone can learn from it. But the the thing I have a problem with is like when people are disclosing, the inf- like the informatives and nas, uh, because what ends up happening, it's even worse when it's like they actually pity the hacker, they close the result, give them like fifty bucks, because then that just gets blasted everywhere. Like the GitHub wiki one, man, that was. Oh, my God. Good. I loved getting those. Um,
6: but I will say, uh, reporting, uh, like, the the ones that are closed as informative, uh, the ones that I think are worth looking at are the ones where the companies have said, we're going to make this public because you're asking us to give you a bunch of money and you're behaving really badly and you don't have any sort of legitimate like here. It's a guide for what not to do. <laughs>
4: Awesome. Hey, well, it's um getting kind of late, so just so want to say thank you to uh, Sam Donut and Hamstek for coming on and uh, talking to us. Is there um, any way that people can contact you if they want to follow up, or do you encourage that?
3: Their girlfriend's Facebook hacked. <laughs>
4: yeah. Who uh, who has open DMs? <laughs>
2: I
9: unfortunately do. to <laughs> well, well, well. open too? Um, both Donut and I just not not to plug myself, but both Donut and, Donut and I do uh streams on different random days about bug bounties. Definitely. Oh, yeah. And uh, learning about bug bounties, uh, I do it two two to four times a week. I'm um, just showing my process and doing random stuff on uh, Yahoo and a couple other companies. So,
0: so if if they go to your Twitter account or is your Twitch uh stream listed on your Twitter account? Yeah. Cool.
10: Mine's not, but I guess I'll change that after this.
0: Yeah, yeah, that'd be great.
4: That's awesome. I'm glad to see that a lot of people are using Twitch for that purpose, too. Yeah. It's really cool. It's like it's awesome. I mean, I don't play video games really, just play around with computers, and it's like the same sort of, I guess, thought process in a lot of ways if you're making something or trying to break something. Um, so it's definitely awesome to see that. Hell oh, yeah. Um, so, yeah. Um, well, I guess thanks, for everybody, for coming on, and um, we should – uh. There Last words. Anybody have anything else to say before we turn off for the night? Mm, I call the dude. Okay. MG to
2: make
7: it, the so program. trust me, criminal.
0: Shut the fuck up and get a lawyer.
4: Shut
8: the fuck up and get a lawyer.
0: Uh, uh, space crimes. <laughs>
3: More space <laughs> crimes, please. Yeah.
4: We should do the second
2: crime please. space. Yeah. See you, everyone. See Bye. ya. Have a good day. Later.